Hey, welcome to the Desert Voices Podcast, where we learn together and facilitate spiritual conversations to thrive in the desert. We boldly explore spirituality through curiosity and critical thinking to contribute to human flourishing. My name is Tommy Allgood, and I am a friend of the pod, and I am here just to get you ready for the following moments ahead. Just a few reminders of the podcast and resource hub is made possible by listeners like you. If you could consider a tax-deductible gift or supporting us on Patreon, that would be super helpful. Information is available on our website at www.desertvoices.com. That's D-E-S-E-R-T-V-O-I-C-E-S.com. It's wicked helpful when you subscribe to the podcast in email. It's also helpful when you give us a five-star review if we meet those expectations for you and when you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Desert Voices underscore. If you don't mind, we also love if you share the episodes that touch your heart with your friends and invite them to be a part of our community. And with all that out the way, I now present to you your hosts, Shilling Kendrick, Ryan Lambros, and Matt Kinzera. Let's get curious. Let's get bold. See you on the other side. Friends, desert dwellers, we are so freaking excited to have you back for season three. We have created a brand new collaborative model, a new team. Holland is still with us on our team, but for those of you who know and love Holland, she is leaning into the value of rest, a sabbatical for an unknown period of time. If you're curious about her journey with that, go back and listen to Courageous Rest. It's one of the episodes released in season two. So Holland is around and with us. With that said, Holland and I have made the choice to move from a duo into a collaborative team. We want to be the type of people that don't just talk about collaborative power, but truly live into collaborative power in every aspect of our lives. And so when Holland came to me and said she wanted to lean into the value of rest, I was genuinely excited for her to do that. And also it creates a problem complication for me to go, what am I going to do? Do I do this on my own? Do I, um, do I get another partner? What is desert voices going to look like going forward? So I met with some good friends, some counselors. Uh, one of my good friends, Jonathan asked me a really provocative question. He said, Shalene, do you want to be another voice in the world that people listen to? Or do you want to be the kind of person that helps people find their own voice and set their own voice free? And those are two very different models and very different ways of interacting as a public theologian. And so as much as I have the temptation towards fame and recognition and all those things that feel so validating in our culture today, if I'm really honest with myself, I really want to be the kind of person that helps others find their own voice and set their own voice free into the world. And for me, I really believe that that happens on a team. It happens in a model, a circular model with collaboration, where every voice is valued, heard, and where equity is central to the value system. And so we have a team. You're welcome, world. So we have today, we have Matt and Ryan. They're going to hop in here. And I cannot wait for you all to meet these two men You are going to love them, hate them. They are going to challenge you and frustrate you. And more than anything, yeah, I really feel like I love the idea of expanding our team so that more voices, more stories, and more perspectives are going to be heard. And so you're going to have a merry-go-round of voices as we do this. But for now, Matt and Ryan, 
Epic and love you. I've loved working with you both behind the scenes. And I have learned so much from both of you in the last six months that we've been together. So who wants to start? Just Peter? so all the listeners know, all you Desert Voices, we paid her a lot of money to say that whole bit right there, just so you yeah, know. Yeah, we all make money. so much money doing this. Ever no. since the Desert Voices collaboration started, I've just been wondering what to spend all my money on. That's Because right. Shaleen yep. just exactly. pays really well. All, yeah. <laughs> all the zeros that we have in our bank account. Yes. So I'd love to start. Matt, let's start with you, with your beautiful Wisconsin accent. Mm. I'd love to hear. Can you jump in? We met through Jesus Never Ran, but let's get to know you. Who are you and why are you here, friend? Yeah, I represent diversity with the Desert Voices crowd because I'm from Wisconsin and the two of you are from <laughs> Arizona. So we needed a little bit of diversity in some way on this team. So I represent that from the great north. Yeah, I met Shalene on my podcast, which is called Jesus Never Ran. And as soon as I met Shalene, I knew she was somebody that I needed to stay connected with because when you do the type of work that the three of us do, and many of you listening, I'm sure do as well, it can feel lonely. And so for a couple of years, I just felt like I was on this island having these conversations with myself that other people would listen to, but we didn't have a dialogue. And so when I met Shalene, I just knew our hearts were synced and I knew we had the same mission and values. And when you find those people, you hang on to them and you figure out if there's some door open to collaborating. So quick story of who I am. I, I grew up Catholic and unlike most people who grew up Catholic, I loved it. Like my goal in life was to be a Catholic priest until I started liking girls. That was the dream. And because it looked fun because like he got to wear the robes, he drank a lot. Everybody thought he knew everything. It was like the dream. And then for some unknown, really questionable decision that I made, I, I jumped into the evangelical train because some of my friends were there and some of my older friends were there and, and they looked like they knew what they were doing. So I jumped onto that and that grabbed onto me really hard for about two decades. But in the midst of it, like I never, I didn't totally buy into it. There's always these things that I would hear, like when people who weren't straight would be excluded or when women couldn't be called pastors or when they would talk about this loving God sending people to hell and not only talk about it, but bring in dramatized settings to show what it looked like with our youth group. And so I probably like the two of you and everybody listening just started asking questions. Nobody liked my questions. So then I went and started <laughs> my own church <laughs> and people still didn't like my questions there so much so that they kicked me out of the church that I started, which is like one of the most freeing and horrifying moments of my entire life to this point. And now I just live passionately as somebody who's always trying to pursue good, godly, and beautiful things. I have, if, if I would say I have a heart for something in the context of this, it's how it started with LGBTQ plus community. The first question that I ever asked is why are people who aren't straight, why are they not allowed in this church? And that was a question nobody wanted to answer. That was well before I even had children. And now by the grace of God, I have two children, both just happen to be in the LGBTQ community. And so I like to think of myself as not only an advocate, but also a protector of my children. I had a moment in life when my oldest daughter came out when she was in fifth grade, she was 10 or 11 years old. And when she came out, she said, I was worried that you wouldn't love me anymore. And I was worried that God wouldn't love me anymore. And when she said that, I knew that the people that I used to call my family 
were now the people that I needed to protect my daughter from. And that was probably mm -hmm. the big change in my life. So that's a little bit of, of who I am. And that's a little bit of how I got here, I guess. Oh, that's amazing. And you're a fantastic father. So for all of you listening, Matt is going to depart his incredible depth of wisdom, not just as a man who has left toxic masculinity, but also a man parenting daughter who identify queer and identify different. And I cannot wait. That's that so many of us are in that boat of how now shall we live? How do we parent our children? And I, I cannot wait for you to just hear Matt's wisdom and story. And what I love about you, Matt, is that you have no interest in being perfect. You have departed that paradigm. And Matt, every time we talk, I hear you and I see you, similar to a sunflower whose face is oriented towards liberation, love, and joy. And you just, you follow that and it gets you kicked out of many places. But I, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to learning from you of how do I parent my own teenagers? Mm, <laughs> Help! My <laughs> advice to all parents is don't listen to any parenting advice because <laughs> all these kids are so yeah. uniquely their own. And uh, I, you know, life keeps you humble. So when I wake up every day and, and screw up with my kids or my wife or my work, then, then I know I've got, I've got room to grow and that that never changes. <laughs> and as much as I like that you say I left toxic masculinity, I still wake up with a little bit of it every day. So, <laughs> But I love that you also go, oh, yeah, I love if you haven't listened, he had a great podcast on Jesus Never Rand that put the subject of toxic masculinity in this circle and had some other some other gentlemen talk about it. And it's a great episode. So as we merge our platforms, and uh, speaking of Matt, I know as we merge our two platforms and audiences, I am really grateful and excited to get to know all of you that have been journeying alongside Matt. So all of you from Jesus Never Rand and who have followed and engaged Matt's work, I feel really humbled uh, to be chosen as a partner in this and, and to partner up and to collaborate. And so I, I welcome you specifically to, to this new space and you're valued here. Your, your voice, as it mattered with Matt, it continues to matter with Ryan and I. So show up, give us your comments, your kind criticism, and <laughs> uh, let us know what you want to hear and what you're interested in. The reason we're doing this is first for our own healing journeys, but also to participate and journey and collaborate alongside each one of you listening. So welcome. Okay, Ryan Lambros, the man with the man bun. You know, it's a, <laughs> your man bun's really on no. point at the moment. And I, I know it's it bad is. radio because no one can see you, but <laughs> Matt and picture, I can see you. Picture the best man bun you've ever seen. And it, yes, that's what it looks like right now. And a cute <laughs> face. I worked really hard. I worked really hard for it. You know, it's, uh, uh, it's my dream. It's my dream. No, welcome. Hey, everybody. Well, I am here in the desert, literally and spiritually been in arizona my whole life born and raised my parents were born and raised their parents born and raised we've been here a long time so i i resonate with desert voices because i've never left the desert i've tried multiple times but no my name's ryan and i've been married to my wife jessica for over 11 years she's a licensed professional counselor, owns her own private practice she specializes in trauma that means two things one i've never won an argument in our marriage at all and never will. She reads people for a living, so she does read me. And then we have two crazy boys, Weston who's 10 and Maverick who is seven, and they are insane and they live up to their names and they're polar opposites and they, yeah, they're insane. So 
a lot of my stories have to do with those two boys. But uh, I was raised in a very strict home. Very loving, but very strict. High patriarchy. My dad, whatever my dad said, went. It was his way or the highway. And also raised in very strict, fundamentalist type ways of, I could not leave the house without my shirt being tucked in, belt on. At the time, my shorts couldn't go to my knees. Now it's in fashion. Back then it was horribly embarrassing because it was long shorts that were the the trend, but it was very strict. And also raised in a church that was very hyper-Calvinist, hyper-reformed. I had an older sister who was perfect. She never did anything wrong. She was the, the angel child, and I was the rebel. I always asked questions, and that got me into a lot of trouble. And was homeschooled, and that has a whole nother world. And you'll hear lots about being homeschooled my whole life, so from kindergarten through high school. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, so that was fun. But then went to college, and long story short, got jumped into mega church pastoring. So I got kind of duped into an internship with students and fell in love with youth, and that became my journey and was a youth pastor for 11 years. But then my theology on paper couldn't answer the question of life and specifically within my wife's own story, which you'll hear later, and her story, me trying to figure out how God and my theology could make sense of her story, because she has a story of past sexual abuse, and theology couldn't answer that, and my belief structure couldn't handle it. And so that sent me on to ask really tough questions, and I compare it to The Truman Show, if you've ever seen that movie, (laughs) when Truman sees the It's the elevator scene. He goes into an elevator, but they make a mistake, and he sees this crew of people eating, I think, donuts (laughs) at a table, and he's like, what was that? And they they cover it up. But once he sees that, you can't unsee it. And so that was the kind of the same thing for me in my life. And that really sent me into transitioning to being free to be me, because I'd never been allowed to be me. I had to be something or someone or believe something or some form of of theology that I actually just never was. And so, a transition for me to be me, to be a stay-at-home dad now, and to champion my wife and her owning her practice, to invest in my kids and to be there for my boys, and really to then just love people by being in their corner. One of my mentors said, Ryan, I think you love being in people's corner because you never had one in yours. Hmm. And that has resonated with me recently. And I really just want to embrace loosely a theology of allowing people to truly become we're all in process i'm in process and and that's been my passion and journey so yeah that's that's me spoken like a true process theologian there you go yep (laughs) yes i love that and then ryan based on the fundamentalism that you grew up in in the shorts and stuff like that is that a little bit of where the man bun comes from is it like a rebellious spirit still today you know what it's ironic that you say that. I have always been, my appearance, like the clothes I wear, the way I do my hair has always been a point of contention with people within the church. So as a youth pastor, I dressed like the students. It's how I related to them. And I always got knocked. Why don't you dress like an adult? Why don't you do this? Whatever. And so then when I I finally got out of kind of evangelical church, I went, I can do whatever the frick I want with my hair, and nobody can tell me 
it's cool, not cool, right, wrong. And so I think I think it's the I think it's the rebellious coming out to say, I'm gonna grow man bun because I can. Yeah. And there you go. <laughs> I love it. And you so, know the Bible yeah. says that you can't have tattoos either, so Right. Right. Uh, so that's of course. Cool. Yeah. It's so good. I love this. Um Okay, so my quick overview, most of you have been following along, so many of you know my story, but to uh, love, honor, and recognize and include our our new members and our new, not that we have membership, that's the wrong way to say that, our new, what do we say, listeners, friends, audience? We could start a membership Conversation today. partners, I mean, <laughs> I mean, sure, if we want to start a membership, sure. Our new people. You are people, our new voices, welcome, you're here. So quick, those of you that don't know me, I, similar to Matt and Ryan, grew up raised conservative, Republican, evangelical, went to Scottsdale Bible Church, was deep in the mega church world from day one. And that created a lot of really, for me, psychologically damaging and toxic theology, specifically as a woman who's passionate about Jesus Christ, passionate about preaching and teaching, to be told that on the basis of my femininity, uh, that I am not equipped as a leader within the church. And so I've always, for me, it's always been deeply wounding to hear that from my own father figures, from the women in my life, and from the power structure that is. And so fuck that noise is all I have to say about that. Deeply psychologically damaging to every person, specifically those who identify as women. And so if you come from a complementarian misogynistic paradigm, I cannot encourage you enough to exit those structures of oppression for the sake, first of your own psychology, but also for that of women around the world. So my shift, I want to focus more on that. So I had a profound experience 10 years ago. We went into what we call the Kendrick Dark Ages. My third child, my daughter was really, really sick. Layla really sick. She was in and out of the hospital, diagnosed failure to thrive, which basically means she won't live, was on a feeding tube. So we lived in the hospital really for two full years. And for me, like Ryan, I love that you said that. My theology on paper, I was on Young Life staff. And so I you know, signed all the mission statements and all the doctrines. It was the one place outside of the church that allowed women to exercise spiritual gifting and spiritual leadership for me. But the answers that I had in that reformed and dispensationalist paradigm, that it was God's plan that my child um, be in that level of pain, honestly, is a bullshit plan. And the idea that I was to learn a lesson from watching my daughter wither away is a violent and horrifying God. And that is not a God, that's not a God I can worship any longer. And so I laid on the floor, um, going in and out, trying to reconcile, you know, I got all the Christian platitudes. This is God's plan. You know, I can't give you anything you can't handle. Like pick your favorite gaslighting platitude and insert it into that traumatizing, psychologically damaging messaging. And so I laid on the floor. Like for me, I would just lay on the floor. Like I, I, it basically, I said, if there was a Olympic medal in corpse pose, I would win. In case any of you are wondering, I'm a big fan of winning anything. So of course, corpse pose is a competition. So I thought I'm going to win corpse pose. And a lot of it was, I just couldn't get up. And then after we shifted out of Layla's, we ended up moving across the country. She ended up learning to eat. It's a long story. And then we had another baby and that ensued another couple years of hardship and wrestling with questions. We adopted and it was a really complicated adoption filled with hum filled with humanity. Systematic racism of which I participated in, there was savior mentality of which I am guilty of, 
And there's also just the full breadth of human choices from the birth family and from myself and my husband as an adoptive family, some good, some bad, some healthy, some unhealthy, all that to say, I'm really wrestling, continue to wrestle with the choices we made at that time, seeking forgiveness for some of those choices and unapologetic about other choices. And so it's, it's complicated. So that was another two and a half years. And so basically it was five years in the Kendrick home of sadness, of suffering, of God not answering my questions, the theology that I had not being good enough. Uh, it didn't answer the problem of pain that I was in. And so I found comfort in laying on the floor with the Lord. And what I didn't know at the time is I had fell into, I didn't have language for it, but I fell into contemplative prayer or centering prayer. And, uh, and what I what I would do is I'd lay on the floor and I would just not want to think because anything I was thinking about hurt so bad. And so I would lay on the floor and I would just envision the hand of God holding me and maybe the hand of God putting God's hand over me, like holding me like a, a broken baby sparrow. And I've never felt more grounded. I was whole, free, competing with no one. I had nothing to prove. I had nothing to defend. I could just lay in the presence of the Lord and I felt like God just cried with me. It was the first mm. time I experienced groundedness and solidarity. There was no fixing. It's not like I was right and the birth mother was wrong or vice versa. Now, in some ways I was right and some ways I was wrong and vice versa. So it was just this big mess, right? Like the dichotomy of black and white thinking fell apart for me. And I entered the mystery that we call God, the mist, the unknown from those spaces, those liminal spaces where the only comfort is found in solidarity. And I felt like God stood in solidarity with my suffering. And so that changed. I now know, listen, everyone needs to pick up the resource, how God changes your brain. Because now I have neuroscience to go back and to describe what scientifically and metaphysically happened to my brain during that time. Everyone asks me about my deconstruction journey. They'll say, well, how'd you deconstruct? I'd say, well, I laid on the floor. And what I didn't realize is my brain rewired during that time on the floor. And it rewired in a way that it increased activity to what I now know is called my anterior cingulate, the neuro, the neuro bundle of nerves in each one of our human brains. It's the place where empathy, compassion, and social awareness live. And so like Ryan, I love here said, once you see, you can't unsee. Once your brain is rewired, shit, now I'm just empathetic and compassionate. And I have a whole new level of social awareness that I never had in my conservative evangelical spaces. And all of a sudden, marginalized groups really mattered to me. The Black community mattered to me. And the ways I participated in systemic racism mattered to me. My homophobia mattered to me. My propensity to locate myself on the top of any power structure mattered to me. And I, I just changed. I transformed. I think, you know, maybe, maybe it's what Jesus meant when he said, you'll become a new creation because my brain became a new brain, a new creation. And so that was five years there. And then I spent the last five years engaging my head center. My brain needed to catch up. My intellect needed to catch up with what just happened to my body. And so I had five years of my body deconstructing. And then I went through five years of really incredible, intense, rigorous academic study so that my head center could catch back up. So I could begin to have language to describe what happened. What is this new gospel? What is this new good news that I have stepped into? So that's my 10 years. And then with this next five years, you all, you're going to be so happy to hear this. I really would like to focus on my heart center. 
that now that my body has deconstructed and reconstructed, my head has deconstructed and reconstructed, I would like to bring my Enneagram 8, my marshmallow heart wrapped in barbed wire. I'd like to bring that into alignment with my other two centers of intelligence. I talk a lot about grounded, integrative living. And I realized I was always grounded in my gut center, which is my center of fire and justice and equity. And I, I would skip over my heart center. And so I had this thought of what would it look like for me to value gentleness? What would it look like to value, value empathy, not from an intellectual standpoint, but from a heart center standpoint? Like what if I could be empathetic, not just intellectually, but like really, like from my heart, what if my heart really connected to others? Um, and so I, I decided that I am going to focus on the value of gentleness and empathy and tenderness, not for the asshats and oppressors. So just so all you know, this is not how to win friends and influence people, which is, by the way, a book written for white men, by white men, for white men, for the purpose of selling shit. It has nothing to do with equity and justice and Christ-like living. So if one more white man recommends I read how to win friends and influence people, I will depart from my value of gentleness in the blink of an eye and rip your fucking head off. Anyhow, so back to gentleness. What if, because everyone says you should be gentle so that the asshats and oppressors could hear your message, so that you can make them comfortable, so that what you have to say would be more palatable. And I refuse to be gentle, A, because I have been oppressed as a woman within my religious context my whole life, and gentleness is expected of me as a woman, but I also am not interested in manipulating. So I'm not interested in manipulating people with gentleness so that they are lured into changing their minds and not being an asshat or an oppressor. So I thought about what if I was just gentle for myself? Like, mm. what if I could be empathetic, not as a manipulative tool, not because it's expected from me as a woman, but because, because it actually blesses me. Like it it's a gift to myself. Like, what if that's what it means? Like, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. And I, you know, it's weird. It kind of, not easy for me to be gentle, but it is easier for me to love others when I connect with my gentleness. So that's where I'm going. That's my shift. My body center, my head center, and my heart center. I think we're, after that little rant, I think we're all pretty excited about this gentleness journey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's going to be a disaster. This is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I also think your next tattoo, Shelly, needs to be a marshmallow with barbed wire <laughs> on a skewer Ooh. under a fire. Yes. You yes. know what I'm saying? Like, there's so much symbolism. I, like I think that needs to be your next tattoo. So, yes, all of our friends listening, I endeavor, I want to want to value gentleness. How's that? I'm still at the starting point. It's um, good enough for me. I'm even okay if you don't get there. It doesn't matter to me. Thank you. I will never be any less fierce, but what if like, I don't know, what if I could use fierceness and gentleness? What would that look like? I don't even and know. That's, I don't even know. That's too much to comprehend just you and saying it. Right. My mind is blown. We so I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. All right. So we're moving on. So Matt, I'd let, why don't you lead this part? But I'd love for you to talk about why we're together. Like we're a team. You and I had a great conversation about this. We now know who we are somewhat. Why are we together? And then we're going to end with where are we going? Yes, we are together because, I mean, I think so people say 
it's better to do things together. And this is something that I've fought against my entire life. I'm a lovely introvert that doesn't like being around people. I always think I'm right. And when I'm on a team of one, I always am right. But I know that anytime when I do get around a group of like-minded people, that good things happen. So I love that we are the three of us, as well as anybody else that comes onto this team is going to be their beautiful, unique self. I know we are on the cusp, like we are on the edge of this new movement of faith that has come into our world. And it's not even just in Christianity, it's across other faith traditions as well. And I also know that so many of us that are on that journey, so many people who are deconstructing or who have deconstructed, they don't know where to go. Much mm -hmm. like myself, when I got to that place, I, I felt completely isolated and alone. So even though I knew I wanted to be where I was, I didn't have people in my life to be in that space with me. So rarely does a week go by where somebody doesn't approach me and ask me to, to start the next new progressive church or whatever, you know, which I, P.S., anybody listening, I have no interest in. So if you're from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, I'm not starting a church for you. But you know, you say that out loud and then, you know, next year I'll be pastoring a church in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. No it. agency, no sense mm -hmm. of personal responsibility, no connection to your own no, desires. None of just that. Just God, God told me to do it. That's just, So I think we're together because we're all very unique, but we all share a very similar story. And I do think that we are in a space where because of what we've all gone through, we have something to offer other people that are in the same space or are in a space that we've been in the past. And so I believe that by us working together, hopefully we will set an example of what is possible when we collaborate. I also hate to lose. So I don't want this big white evangelical church to win, man. I think, I think we can come together and I think there's something better that we can be a part of. And I don't think we have to bow our knee to this big machine that's wrecking everything. And so I'm not the type of person that likes to go away quietly. And so when I got kicked out of my own church, I decided to start a podcast to let everybody know how I really thought. And now this just seems like the natural next step to keep that going forward because I know eventually all of us working together will absolutely tip this this movement in the right direction so that we'll have a more equitable, more beautiful, more Christ-like, more kingdom of God on earth type of faith that we can all be a part of. And good news, Shalene, Ryan, and I aren't going to tell anybody what to believe. We might explain how we believe, or we might even tell you what we believe, but we'll never put that on anybody that's listening or partaking in anything that we produce. Your journey is your journey. You just get to experience ours as well. Amen. I love that. Thank I you, Ryan. I love that. And hey, you know what? If you want to start a church in Wisconsin, I will support you from Arizona, but I will never move to Wisconsin. <laughs> I don't care what God says. That's the wisest Sorry. thing you've ever said. We've Sorry. known each other a while. That That is the wisest thing you've ever said. I, I never planned on staying here, Ryan. It was always my yeah. plan to just get out of Dodge as soon as I could. And I moved farther north. What an idiot. <laughs> no. No. My wife, when we got married, my wife said, hey, look, I'll go, you know, we were steeped into the, the gender norms and the, you know, patriarchy. Wherever you go, I'll follow. But if it is anywhere that snows more than the sun shines, she's like, I will not go there. So. Yeah. The sun shines uh, more than it Wisconsin, snows here. Wisconsin down. 
Yeah, the sun shines a ton yeah. here. In the winter yeah, when right. the sun's shining, you know it's like 20 below zero because there's no clouds keeping it warm. That's, that's the problem. Disgusting. The sun's the that's problem. Oh, that is. sounds that's terrible. Gross. Well, you that's can't gross. shovel My, sunshine. F- well, we we do love Simon Sinek. We take, you know, take a page out of that book. For anyone listening at Desert Voices, our why, why we're doing what we're doing is we boldly explore spirituality through curiosity and critical thinking to contribute to human flourishing. And we do that by engaging our different centers of intelligence. Just from an Enneagram perspective, our friend Matt is located. Matt, what do you identify with, friend? I'm a seven. I'm a seven. hard seven. Yeah. Hard seven. So we have our head center represented. Ryan, you? A four. A funny story. For those anybody interested in the Enneagram, I thought I was a seven for so long. And then I was and then I realized I I was told I should be a seven in order to be successful, especially as a youth pastor. So then I was like, oh, no, I'm not a seven. I'm a three because I guess that's the natural progression. You still got to be a youth pastor. You got to be a three. And my wife kept telling me, hey, like, are you maybe you're a four. Like, have you ever thought about that? And I'm just telling you this right now. I hate, I hated fours. I was like, oh, they're so moody and out there and blah, blah, blah. Guess what, friends? If I am truly... Like me, true to myself, fuck, I'm a four. I'm so, a four. and it's because I hated it's a hate, I hated who I was faking to be, and I actually just needed to come to grips that this is who I am. So, I'm a four. It's your coming mm-hmm. out party. I I, I took the is. test. I took a variety of different enneagram tests. I probably took like six, seven, eight of them because I didn't want to believe I was a seven. It's like I don't uh, like those guys and women. I yeah. hate sevens. They drive me crazy. Oh, it's and so they good. Still do. They still do. Yeah. So we have our Matt firmly located in the head center, Ryan firmly located in the heart center, um, and myself as an eight firmly located in the gut center. So part of the gifting, part of how we're going to both explore spirituality with curiosity and critical thinking, but we're going to do that through storytelling, coaching, and theology. Those are three areas of gifting that Matt and Ryan and I really operate in. We all three are those things, but in a lot of ways, like Matt, you're a brilliant storyteller. And Ryan is a really gifted coach. If anyone's looking for parenting coaching, call Ryan. He's on my speed dial when I'm like, shit, what do I do with my, what do I do? And then I have a propensity and a love of theology. I love to really wrap my my whole being around what we think when we think about God. So through storytelling, we're going to engage our heart center. Through coaching, we're going to engage our gut centers. And through theology, we're going to engage our head center of intelligence. And so that is why we're here and what you're going to get when you show up to the Desert Voices platform. And Ryan, you want to just end this episode with where are we going? What can our listeners expect from season three with us? Yeah. Yeah, I think we all kind of came together and and there are so many unique and amazing and healthy voices out there. Other podcasts, and you see it, we interact with them, we support them, and we love it. And yet we kind of sat, I remember the meeting, the Zoom meeting, we kind of just sat and went... Not that any of those things are bad, but does does the world need another one of those types of voices? And we all kind of went, no, we want to be maybe a little bit different. Okay, so why do we want to be different? And we both kind of felt this void. There's There seems to be a lack of moving, of something to allow us to move forward in, okay, like, so maybe we've, you know, the, the buzzword, we've deconstructed, but... Are there is there anything out there to help us reconstruct and move forward and continue walking in the desert? You don't just want to sit down in the desert and go, this is where I'm at and I'm not moving. 
the desert is a beautiful place if you keep journeying and you keep walking that path. And so we really kind of landed in, we want to be a resource hub. We want to be a place where kind of the new person of faith in, in a really a new era can learn and grow and move forward. And that's where the whole idea of curiosity and critically thinking and exploring spirituality, you know, rests that we can encounter abundance in mentality, have an access to resources. I can't tell you how many friends call me and say, hey, Ryan, is there like a study out there that can like walk me through this? Is there a small group, you know, questions that we can walk through this? Is there a book you'd recommend? Whatever it might be. And it's hard to find those that are not rooted in the kind of the old way of faith and thinking. And so our whole vision for where we're going is to really curate and create resources and content so that desert spirituality actually feels alive and connected. And so that's kind of our whole focus, especially in season three, is to create resources for desert dwellers so that it's not a place where we're just surviving, but we're actually thriving in the desert. Yes, we want you to survive and thrive in the desert. And so our output, what we're doing, I love Matt Ryan and I are reading Donald Miller's story brand. And we've really, I mean, I really like Donald Miller. I like his evolution of faith. It seems to arc in a similar way. And I resonate with that. But I love this. I like that he talks about, you know, 007, James Bond. I love the the character Q in the movie is the place that you go to get cool shit to kick ass. And so you are the heroine and the hero of your story and in your faith. Uh, And we want to be like guides, not as authorities, but the place that you come to get cool tools to survive and thrive in desert spirituality, to kick ass and take names in your life, to live grounded and integrated, and to live life to the fullest. And so we're going to do that. Matt, you want to tell us our areas of focus this year? What can people expect from us from now until hopefully May? You bet. And, you know, one of the things, too, and one of the reasons why we're doing this is there's pieces and there's practices that many of us engaged with in our evangelical or even mainline culture that were really good. It's just the content was wildly flawed and exclusive. And so we all talk to people regularly who are looking, as Ryan was talking about, who are looking for resources, for books, for churches, for podcasts, all those types of things. And so we just want to create a bit of a hub for that. As Ryan also said, we are not the only hub. We are not the only people doing this, but we are going to need lots of us engaging in this work to create enough material for all of us to to be able to flourish in the desert. So we're going to do what we're doing right now. We're going to create podcasts, and Shalene and Holland have been doing that already for a couple of years. We're going to continue on that, and we're going to split those podcasts up. Sometimes it's going to be the three of us. Sometimes it'll be one of us, two of us, bring in a guest depending on what we're talking about. So we're going to continue with that. We are going to create something called Seven Minutes in the Desert, which is going to be on YouTube and Insta Live. So we'll explain that more when it unfolds, but you're going to love it. And, and, we're going to create- and for sure, it's a play on Seven Minutes in Heaven. Yes. Right? Oh, that's I mean, we all played that in intentional. So, if you, <laughs> you will walk away feeling the same as if you played Seven Minutes in Heaven. Let's just say, that. unless of course it was wow. abusive, in which case you will not walk away feeling like <laughs> right, that. Right. Thank <laughs> right. you for that. Ken. As a woman who played that, let's just say that did Look not out. always go well for me. Yes, um, I never played it, so 
Oh my gosh. I was homeschooled, I so I never played it either. It's never, my, never you, too late. Shaleen the kids that it. went to public school did. So uh, I've heard Shalene played it enough for all of us. So uh, I was yeah. for sure the makeout bandit. Good but job. That's a long story. But so seven yeah. minutes in the okay. desert. Look seven for minutes that. in the desert. We're going to have some courses. We're going to break out some courses. Shalene and Holland did a great podcast series about the cross. We're going to turn that into a course, uh, into a, so a series of classes, and then we're going to expand on that in a number of different ways. We're going to do some writings, all sorts of various writings. And then just Ryan is a social media just guru he is going to start spitting out stuff you wouldn't even be able to keep up with all the awesomeness that's coming out of desert voices social media avenues so those are the spaces we're going to at least start with yep and matt has a book coming out you all so are going to want to see you all are going to want to read that book so matt's book will be out and again on the writings part and we'd love contributors if you are in the desert and writing is your spiritual act of worship, your creative, send us your stuff. We'd love to look through it. And we are always looking for more contributors. And so again, we kind of have this idea of a circle where all of our voices are around the perimeter, they're equitable. And in the center of the circle, we have this vision of a cornucopia of resources. And I know cornucopia is a, a super geeky word, but what it means is a replenishing entity of consumable things. And so we want to have in the middle this cornucopia of actual, tangible, consumable products, if you will, for lack of a better word, but resources, tools, like when you go to Q, so that when you walk out, you are 007 in your story. And we all need to be equipped. And so if you are writing and, and doing things, send us your stuff. We'd love to, we'd love to contribute and collaborate. And then Ryan, you want to bring us home. What are we after? We're creating all these tools for the purpose of uh, human flourishing. And let's end this episode, land this plane. What is human flourishing and what are our guiding values between the three of us or our team, our ever-growing team here? Yeah, and I, I, love, I love this idea of human flourishing. One, because it's, it's not restrictive to kind of one definition because human flourishing is unique because humans are unique. And so... When we talk about human flourishing, to really just use a, a really good basic metaphor of kind of a flower, fruit, and seed. So think about this like a flower, like human beings living in full bloom. Now, Matt, I don't know if you get, you know, you have seasons in Wisconsin, but it's, I don't know. Are you going to ask if we Wisconsin. get flowers in Wisconsin? Yeah, well, Is that where like you're going, blooms, Ryan? Like this, do things yes. bloom in Wisconsin? I don't know. Beautiful flowers. Right next to okay, my house, there's well, a whole field of wildflowers. Yes. Okay. It's not, right, well, it, there's not have, snow on the ground right now. <laughs> we don't have seasons in Arizona, but we do have, we do have blooms. We do have flowers, as my allergies tell me. So, but anyway, but think of, think of like a human being living in full bloom. And, and so we really just hope to kind of co-create cultures that celebrate all of who the divine created each unique individual to be. And then also think of fruit. So the fruit of our one wild and precious life, that's a quote by Mary Oliver. Like when you go out and you walk through an apple orchard, you, you can smell the beautiful fruit. And we want to be a life and contribute to a human flourishing life that smells like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-mastery. Like we want that for all people. We want that for ourselves. We want that for all people. And then really it's, we want this to be more than just about us and the generation right now. We we understand that our time will move. We're all in process. And so that means 
planting seeds for the next generation to flourish. And so what we do now matters, not just for the present moment, but for its contribution to the future. And so we want to plant seeds of justice and equity and be a collaborative power to push the human race forward, to care enough about what's going on right now because we care enough about what's going to happen. So that's kind of our brief understanding and passion and vision for what it means to be a human who is flourishing. And some of our guiding values that we've come up with and we are always open to changing, but this is where we felt like we landed together, which is we all have a guiding value of liberation, optimism, innovation, curiosity, vulnerability, and collaboration. So as you see things and hear things unfold with Desert Voices, you will always feel pieces of those guiding values in the work that we're engaged with. Amen. We want to leave each one of you with questions to spark your curiosity. And so the first question is this, that here at Desert Voices, we want to be a safe space and a brave space to explore, to critically think. And so again, as Matt said earlier, you will not be told what to believe or what to think, but rather we encourage you to stand in your own power and to trust your voice. That word voice, it's a literary term. It means to have power and authority in the matter. The matter here is your own spirituality. You have power and authority in your own spirituality. So the question here is, what are other safe spaces and brave spaces in your life? Where are places? So something that I, I've tr been trying to embody as a, as a father for my young boys is this idea of not telling them what to think or what to believe, but fostering a safe place for their questions. And I was having a conversation with my youngest, Maverick. He's seven. And he his mind is crazy. He he just sees life in a very different way, and I love it. But he brought up something. It was, it was something with hell, and he he basically was like, "I don't, I don't think there's a hell." <laughs> and everything inside of me wanted to be like, "Tell him what I think and what he should think about that." And I just said, "Hey, Mav, like, well, why do you think there's no hell?" And he <laughs> came up with a seven-year-old answer. And it was great. And it was cute. And it was wonderful. And I just kept asking questions. And he just was, his body posture, his tone was just so peaceful. It was, it was maverick. It was him. And he just asked questions and he processed and I got to hear his process. And I walked away going, I don't want that to ever stop. Because whatever he wants to look for, whatever he wants to pursue, I want to be a safe place for him to say, hey, this is just what I think. And and to not have it in the back of his mind that dad's just going to tell me this is right, this is wrong, this is what I'm supposed to think, this is what I'm supposed to believe. And it just fosters incredible hope and relationality. And so I want that to be an encouragement to you as you listen to this. And as we close it, this last question is, what are you looking for in your spirituality? Whatever questions, whatever passions, whatever you are looking for in your spirituality, it's good. It's okay. But find the safe space to, to really pursue that, to ask that question. It's healing to the soul. It's healing to our bodies. Yeah. 
And just experiencing it with a little seven-year-old, like, I want that for me. I want that for Matt and Shalina. I want that for you guys. I want that for everybody listening. For there to be a safe place to just be like, hey, this is what I think. It'll change. Maverick 7. I'm sure it changed the next day, but that's just what I want for everybody. All right, so for the next couple of episodes, it's going to be the three of us together. And the next episode, we're going to talk about now what? So many of us have deconstructed. Again, it's a little bit of a buzzword, but it's true. So many of us have deconstructed. But then the question is, now what are we going to do? And then following that episode, we're going to move into a conversation about moving into reconstruction and exploring what that can look like, how that can change how you live and how you can apply it to your life. And uh, we're all going to share a bit of our own personal stories because for most of us, we have one or two things that really got us going in our reconstruction and our deconstruction for that matter. So just want to thank everybody for listening to this first ever trio podcast of Shaleen, Matt and Ryan on Desert Voices. I know Ryan and I are excited to be along this journey and we're so thankful for the work that you Shaleen have done to get this thing moving over the last couple of years as well as Holland and just honored to be a part of this and honored to go on this journey together, not only with the two of you, but with all of the listeners and people who engage in the work that we do here. Thank you so much, friends. Be bold. Be curious. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. We hope you enjoyed it. In true Desert Voices fashion and in the spirit of transformation, we just want to say that we reserve the right to evolve, grow, change our minds, and make many, many mistakes along the way. This is what we call being human. For resources, show notes, writings, and partnership opportunities, head over to our website and sign up for the email at desertvoices.com. Follow our work and engage with us on social media. We're most active on Instagram and Twitter, and our handle is at desertvoices underscore. We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us. Let's collaborate and co-create a more just, equitable, and beautiful world together. To support us and join our movement, it is helpful to give us a five-star review for the podcast, subscribe, follow our work on social media, and share any episodes with your friends and family that resonates with you. Until then, friends, go be free and flourish. Flourish.